welcome to the Calvin and Hobbscast. My name is Nathan. I'm the host. And returning guest, we have Sean German from Five Minutes of Mime, Spinal Tap Minute, and Groundhog Day Minute. Hi, Sean. Chew electric death, snarling cur. Ahoy. I mean, hello. I mean, zounds. <laughs> hello, Nathan. Well, thank you for having me back. No problem. Wonderful to talk Calvin and Hobbes with you again. And again, we are going to a distant planet with our good fearless explorer, Spaceman Spiff. Yeah, so uh, second Sunday in a row, we return to, uh, well, I think, this, I guess, return to the universe of Spaceman Spiff, but possibly a, a different alien world than we've seen previously. And um, one thing I like about this is one of the, I don't know if it's a moon or an asteroid, one of the bodies above the planet That's looks no like an olive. Oh, yeah, it sure does. Yeah. In, the, in the first panel. I don't know if that's, you know, if that was meant to be, if that's in Calvin's imagination, maybe at Alice for lunch that day, and it was stuck in his head. Yeah, some of them, there's a little guy in there, and this one, none. Yeah, yeah. Right? Spinal Nobody's tap? home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what that little guy is called. <laughs> that's still, I still am about as informed as Nigel when it comes to olives, yeah. I think. It's just, it's a little guy. And then, yeah, yeah. So, it's a complete catastrophe. <laughs> I want big bread. Yeah, so he's flying over the purple planet, planet Gloob, and he's Megazorks above it. Megazorks above planet Gloob. So uh, so you know it's serious. Sure. Is that a lot? Because it seems like well, yeah. he's pretty close. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Megazorks. That's true. If it was close, it'd be like Millazorks, but this is, this is Mega. Yeah. I wonder how that compares to a Parsec. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, the, the Calvin Hobb book should have an appendix with uh, conversion charts, <laughs> megazorks to parsecs, and, and so on. Um, I'll, have, I'll write Bill and be uh, for the next collection, the next edition. Here's uh, something you can add. <laughs> and I'm sure he'll take that uh, under advisement. Yeah, I'm sure he's looking for a lot of input in his, in his <laughs> retirement. He also, he's, he flew by the olive and he's heading toward a cheese ball, I think. What do you call them? A cheese poof? Or... A cheesy poof? Yeah. <laughs> what are those? So I, it's yeah. possible that this is maybe it's before Spaceman Spiff's lunch, and he's just got uh, a lot of food on his mind. It's kind of one of those cartoons. Every planet he looks at looks like a different item of food. If you needed to use the restroom, there might be it might be a water planet like Interstellar. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the reason why. Bill Watterson would be more inclined to do a Spaceman Spiff on a Sunday is because he can have so much more fun with the art and the colors. Even though that first one was a weekly, I bet he felt very limited by the fact that it's mostly that standard perspective that you get in a cartoon from the side. Whole whole character fits fills up about a quarter to a fifth of the frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Sunday strip gives, uh, in addition to the color, just more frames and more room to to stretch the imagination. Very well put. So we're done with the throwaway panels and Calvin's racing in his trusty red saucer with the dome glass over it. Spaceman Spiff, conqueror of the cosmos, is pursued by the hideous scum beings of planet Q-13. Next panel, he's flying away from a very cool-looking ship with a pirate skull and crossbones on the wing. He says, Spiff's hyperframe drive <laughs> malfunctions. The aliens close in. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to burn through it. No. Have you got anything for this? Uh, no, I think you, you've covered it in terms of uh, 
the the great looking ship and the uh, well, Calvin's ship is it, it's kind of a coupe, like it's just a one seater, maybe a little space for a passenger, um, you know, possibly a, a small stuffed tiger, but that's it. It's a very small ship. In the aliens, the alien ship is much larger. Um, so as they close in, there's there's obvious danger there. And Calvin doesn't have a lot of friends, or you know, he's not a family man. Spaceman Spiff isn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. He doesn't have a little... There's no baby on board, is what I'm saying. Right, sort of the sports car equivalent of a spaceship. Um, you know, he's he's a loner, the Spiff. I bet he originally wanted a convertible, and then they said, you'll die. And he said, <laughs> yeah. all right, put a, put a top on it, but make it sleek. The ship that's pursuing him, to me, looks like a Stingray or a Manta Ray. Yeah, there's a definite ray quality to it in a wider, very kind of mostly flat with fins trailing behind it. Very uh, organic form, certainly. So in the next panel, Spaceman Spiff, who narrates his own adventures, we should add, says, suddenly a searing bolt of deadly frap ray slices across the blackness. Our hero is unfazed. You get kind of a Zap Brannigan, if, if I would imagine the voice that Calvin <laughs> thinks he has. It'd be that Phil Hartman type. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's accurate. And then it's interesting you, you point out that in this case, uh, whereas last Sunday we had a narrator kind of giving us the lay of the land and guiding us through the action, um, other than the introduction, other than the part that starts with we join our hero, uh, the rest of it is actual dialogue from Spiff himself. As you say, he's narrating his own adventure. In third person. Uh, yeah, in, in third person, which, again, yeah, a very uh, Zap Brannigan thing to do. What do you think about the, f- the Frap Ray? This well, is... it's deadly. Well, that's true. It's, we this know is that. before the Frappuccino, but I have to think that if Mr. Watterson were making this trip today, he might stick away from Frap because of that. Sure. Yeah, he, I actually have a, a note about that, um, kind of pondering the fun that it must have been to come up with the... The, the language of Spiff's universe with the Megazorps, with the Freem Drive, the, the Frap Ray. Um, yeah, I would think if if something like the Frappuccino was around then, he would have shied away and come up with some other uh, imaginary phrase. In the next panel, the whole background is yellow. It says, another bolt. Spiff is hit. Pluey. Pluey. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and the ray is very ill-defined. So a lot of times if you think of like a Star Trek phaser or the the laser shots in Star Wars, the energy rays, that it's very well-defined blasts. Whereas in uh, the the ray, the frap ray, has a very ill-defined, very jagged border. Um, I wonder if that makes it more deadly, gives it a kind of a further reach. In terms of it doesn't have to be dead on. If any of those points hit you, then you know it's, it, then it's pluey. It's kind of like Kylo Ren's lightsaber. It's, it's a little, it's a little coming apart. The seams it looks like a little more mm-hmm. erratic, or maybe more like a, an electric Tesla bolt or something. Right. Yeah. Next panel, Spiff is spiraling towards a very cool purple and yellow striped planet. So Spiff is going down. Can he make it? Is this the end? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark. Yeah, in the multiple punctuations. So you know it's serious. Certainly. And uh, he left us with well, a cliffhanger. 
yeah, is this the end? We'll have to tune in next time to uh, to find out. Same spiff time. <laughs> yeah, same spiff time, same spiff strip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we don't have to... The, the cliffhanging is not very long. Because as we see in the next panel, we return from Spiff World back to Earth, and we see Calvin going down a, a playground slide. Not an incredibly tall playground slide. No, and I'm, I'm a little surprised. It seems the imaginary world of Spiff is uh, expressing sort of a real trepidation. You know, it's not like this is a boring slide and, and Calvin imagines it as a crashing spaceship to make it more exciting. It seems that this is more a parallel, that to him it's going down this slide is just as scary as a, a crashing spaceship is to Spiff. Um, but given the the adventures that we see Calvin get into with Hobbes in terms of wagons and sleds going down hills, uh, it's a little surprising. And, and maybe it's just that it's a solo mission, that it's Calvin without his trusty sidekick that, uh, that makes him more concerned. That's true. He's using Spiff to process something, to, to go through some rite of passage on the playground. Well, he lands... We're back in Spiff world. He says, Spiff's alive. He made it. You see his ship crashed in the background, green smoke coming out of the engine. And then back to reality. I'm alive. Ha ha ha. I kissed the sweet ground. And there's a little heart as he... The little heart, yeah. As he does kiss the ground, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Miss Wormwood makes an appearance here at the end, saying maybe you should play on the swings. Yeah. I feel like the uh, swings would be just as fun in a, in a spiff way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Swings are fun. I wonder, we often see uh, Miss Wormwood and, and Spiff together. I wonder if there's a thing, you know, something going on between those two. She has no idea how he sees her. <laughs> I think that's for sure. Not in this one, yeah. but in the other, the other panels. Well, yeah, and that's probably for the best. It's, it's interesting. In this one, he does, well... He switches to first person at the end, but he is narrating the fantasy out loud, which we speculated about before uh, in the previous Sunday, about whether or not he was really saying all of this. And he is saying it, but he did choose this moment to switch to first person as well, too. So I don't know if there's anything to that. Yeah, the when he says, I'm alive. So that's interesting. Yeah, the, the third person is Spiff. But when we see Calvin... Uh, Calvin is using yeah, those first-person pronouns as he kisses the ground. Because right and before that, yeah, he said Spiff's alive. He made it. Yeah. I don't know if that's what that means. And you wonder, I, well, at least I wonder if that's, is that something that the artist is doing on purpose? If he thought about that switch between first and third person. I'm, he must have, because it seems so deliberate. But as weird as it is that Calvin's yelling, I'm alive, I kiss the sweet ground, it would be even stranger if he were saying it in third person. And I think maybe it's part of the duality where what's going on in the real world is something that's reasonable. Yeah, and I, well, I wonder how much of it is that reality is, is real in that it requires less narration. So when he's saying... You know, I, I kiss the ground. He's actually kissing the ground. 
but when he talks about, uh, you know, like Spiff's spaceship uh, going down, there isn't an actual spaceship there. So that kind of requires more more of a third person perspective to make it real. Mm. And he's he's not inviting everyone in to his fantasy completely. You couldn't tell exactly what's going on in his head based on how he's acting. He's acting like a slightly quirky kid, not like an insane person. Yeah, yeah. So this is a, an interesting contrast to last Sunday where we start off, we see that that Calvin is in the classroom with Miss Wormwood and that in his imagination, he's been transported to an alien world with um, with an alien with coloring suspiciously similar to Miss Wormwood's dress. Whereas here we start off, we're already in the universe of Spiff. We're already in this alien. We were already above planet Globe, And uh, it's not till that twist at the very end that we see where, you know, what, what this world is representing, where Calvin actually is, that he's representing in his imagination. That's true. And actually, that twist, if you were to look at these, is really the the only joke. The rest of it, you can appreciate the fun and maybe the words, but the the punchline in, in uh, a lot of the Space Band spiff is the contrast to the real world to find out what he was doing at that time. Mm-hmm. So in this case, that he was going down the slide and that he's interacting in the real world is, is pretty much the joke. Yeah. One of the notes I had is uh, regarding Calvin's ability to make uh, the mundane things seem especially exciting. That, uh, you know, going down a slide is kind of an everyday boring thing for most of us. But through his imagination, it's turned into this wild adventure um, with Spiff being pursued Sure, yeah. I think I, I definitely relate to that when I was a kid. I I wanted to, I don't know, going to the mall or something could definitely get a lot more entertainment value by, uh, I don't know exactly what the thought process would be, but I know it often ended up hiding inside of a ring of clothing. <laughs> you know, when I was talking about whether or not Calvin would seem crazy, there was a robot chicken sketch where it portrayed Calvin and and Hobbes. And then at the end, he ended up getting put into a mental institution. I really hated that sketch. Did you ever see that one? I don't recall, but I yeah, just the way you've laid it out, I don't like it. They took something uh, magical and made it... Uh, they reduced it to something quite cynical and terrible. <laughs> Which is not unusual for robot chicken. That's but, uh, true. But in this case, maybe they went too far. Because I, I like Calvin's imagination. I like his take on the world around him. And it's some there's you know, there's some naivete and there's some ignorance, but he's he's a young boy. He's not supposed to know everything and and be world weary quite yet. So I, I, I prefer this to um to the strips, for example, where he's you know, he's a pollster and he's reporting back to uh um, you know, dad's numbers on how uh, he's doing with different demographics. I like seeing a, a young boy with his imagination when he's not not mired down with uh, with reality. Very true. Yeah, it's the it's the kind of imagination that you want kids to have to instead of just watching TV. But still, a lot of it comes from TV and comics in a way. 
it's still informed through those fantastical elements, but then you have to move on and make them your own. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's how you have a good day outside. All right. Well, anything else for this strip? Uh, That's all my notes. I think we've covered it. What a wonderful Sunday. Hanging out with Calvin, Spaceman Spiff, and Miss Wormwood again. We missed Hobbs. Always miss Hobbs when he's not there. Would it be possible to have a strip with Hobbs without Calvin? I would read it. I, I don't know if it's possible, but if it would be, if it is possible, I'm interested. What is, yeah, when, uh, what is Hobbs doing all day while Calvin's at school? What adventures is he getting into? Yeah, he's not just lying around. Well, if he's like my dogs, he probably is just lying around. <laughs> Maybe he's like most cats. Yeah, maybe he is. You think they're going to have so much fun and then you come back in and they just fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I wonder, does he have, are there other stu- stuffed animals that Hobbs is friends with? Um, I'd like to meet them. He could be friends with Mr. Bun, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like they get to hang out too much. Probably not, no. That would be weird if Calvin had another stuffed animal that he just regards as a toy and and you'd be crazy to suggest otherwise. Weird reality. If if Hobbs would be more related to that, to Calvin or to the or if there was a real cat in their house. If Calvin <laughs> had another stuffed animal, a pet cat, and then he's there, which one would Hobbes feel most closely aligned with? That'd be interesting. So if a, an actual cat entered, there might be uh I could see it going through cycles. There would be a little bit of a rivalry, I would think, um, over territory and maybe over attention from Calvin uh, between Hobbes and, and another cat. But then, um, but I, excuse me, I could also see them teaming up. They probably have a similar interest in tuna fish, for example. Sure. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I could see the, the occasional uh, duo working together towards some end. It might make Hobbes feel a little bit less wild he's got that cornered now at the house he's the, mm-hmm. the primal one with another cat there he might yeah he might be competitive in that way or like you said he's a lot taller than a cat maybe he could get the tuna out of the top shelf yeah but he never could figure out the uh, the can opener so maybe the other maybe <laughs> if they you know if, if Hobbs can get the tuna out of the cabinet and and the cat can work the can opener <laughs> and then they can they can divide the spoils between them. <laughs> That's a good deal. Yeah. Well, that didn't have anything to do with this strip, but it's always good to bounce ideas off of these Calvin and Hobbes theories, <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, with uh, with someone. So, thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Oh well, if folks would like to hear more from me, I do a weekly podcast called Five Minutes of Mime where we, we talk about mime and uh, silent performance and, and other stuff. And uh, that's at 5minutesofmime.com. And we're also in the, uh, the iTunes and the Google Play. Wonderful. And you can email yeah. me at calvinandhobscast at gmail.com. Go to Facebook and type in Calvin and Hobbscast, and you'll be able to find that. Or, hey, why not check out my other podcast, A Goofy Movie Minute, where we talk about individual minutes of a goofy movie 1995's classic disney cousin all right any yeah. any final final words there spaceman uh well just thanks again thank you very much for having me i i enjoy the calvin and Hobbes, and i'm enjoying the calvin and Hobbes cast well so thank you no problem thank you so much for uh for coming on 
It was great to get your insights. And with that, I'll say Yukon Ho! The excerpts used in this podcast are from The Complete Calvin and Hobbes, published by Andrews McNeil, LLC, copyright 2005 by Will Watterson, all rights reserved. No infringement is intended. The books are being used for the purposes of commentary and review. Please don't sue us.